pricing is always hard. It's <laughs> and it's it's always a tough point. One of our biggest shifts this year was sending clients contracts before they tour. I know sometimes that could be scary for clients to get a big contract with all the financials in it, and it, it could deter them from even wanting to show up. We're finding it actually has helped the conversation of tours and it actually streamlines the process of them signing. They're showing up after seeing the contract and they're excited. They they're a little emotional and they typically sign right away. On this show, we document and share best practices around owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Joe, welcome to the Venue RX podcast. Thank you so much for being here today and talking about uh, Bluebird Farm. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about it. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. So happy to be a part of this. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. I'm excited. You guys have animals on your uh, property, yeah? Yeah, we sure do. I mean, we're a full functioning farm, like it's with all the whistle and bells attached. Um, you know, the, this wedding component wasn't the initial uh, goal, but okay. uh, initially we got there. <laughs> Could you tell me more about that? Like, how did you get into the wedding industry and maybe yeah. who were you personally and professionally prior to uh, getting started in, in the industry? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Really, the the catalyst for having this wedding venue really started with just uh, hosting a wedding for uh, my sister. So you know, around 2017, we we hosted her wedding, um, and it was it was total chaos. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna lie as far as pulling it together, um, but you know, we, we pulled it through, and you know, we had the photos thereafter and the videos, and it, it looked really nice. So that kind of started our curiosity into to thinking about um, developing the property into a, a wedding venue site as well. Because um, prior to that, it was purely just farming and uh, livestock and crops. And um, that was essentially it. So that was the initial start. Were you doing something else uh, professionally prior to kind of turning this into a, a venue? Like, were you working on the farm or was it other stuff as well? Yeah. So the origins of the actual property in 2015. And so on site, my parents do live there. Um, and I came in just as a investor for real estate. Um, that's kind of my main, my main thing. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of overlap with like the wedding venue, um, industry and, and property ownership. So basically, uh, that's how it started in 2015, just acquiring the property. And I was more or less as an investor, like I said. And then thereafter, um, it just kind of uh, came to us after that first wedding for my sister. And from there, I've been more, because I live in New York City primarily, and they still live on the property. So um, I'm more of the like backend uh, website marketing, you know, contracting uh, person. And they're more of the client facing, doing tours, uh, on-site managers, all that kind of stuff. Got it. So you got into this, you said your your background or your main kind of focus is the real estate side of it, correct? Yeah. Did you previously have, you know, real estate investments and things like that before? Or is that something you got into after? Yeah. So we initially started uh, with the same property, actually um, doing just short-term rentals. So people usually call that Airbnb or, or Verbo and whatnot. So, you know, when we started the property, we developed one of um, 
one section of our working barn into a loft space. And that became our first rental. Um, thereafter, we actually did, uh, we built a tree house actually um, on the property on site. And that was our second rental. So that was kind of our first steps. And then third came the wedding venue business that we're involved with now. Got it. So that was in 2000. You said the wedding venue business really kind of kicked off the idea in 2017. When did you actually have your first non-family? Yeah. yeah. So we had like a lot of bad luck because, um, and I'll, I'll break down the story. So, you know, within certain towns, you know, in America, you need permits to do this, like the host use type of, you know, farm venue events. And um, so it took us nearly two years to get the permit from the town. And it was, it was by no means because we were, we were slow <laughs> in applying. It's just, there's a number of, uh, you know, meetings we had to attend and kind of, you know, describe our goals. And we were new to town as far as the wedding venue. There, there's essentially no other uh, competition in our, in our town that we are hosting the venue, or excuse me, hosting weddings. So um, it took a while to get the permit. And as we got the permit, COVID hit. So we were really like, you know, we we're really excited come like the end of 2019 to get our permit because there was a lot of, you know, effort and and a lot of, you know, investment involved. And um, and then COVID happened, 2020. So it was a, it was a tough, tough uh, pill to swallow. But what we really did is we took that year to really focus on, you know, our website, our SEO, our marketing, so that, you know, when things let up, we were able to you know, work with our leads and clients and, and, and get them to sign on for the following seasons. So as far as um, the growth, you know, 2020 was like, you know, we had like two weddings and essentially they were free because we just wanted to have uh, a small amount of clientele that we could work with. So, and, you know, photos and all, and, you know, legitimacy. And, and then from there, just continue to grow and grow where this season we're at 30 weddings. And, you know, that's where this is our first big, big summer. Um, and it's been, it's, we've learned a lot. And, you know, next year we see hitting around that number again, because we do kind of structure it. So we do one, one wedding per weekend in uh, from spring to the fall. But I was, yeah, I was going to ask about your seasonality. What is it like? Cause you're, you're in Connecticut. Yeah. We're in Connecticut, New England. Yep. So where, what is it like? Uh, what's your wedding season there? Yeah. So we typically start towards the tail end of April, early May. And just because of the terrain, it can be a bit muddy, sluggish still in that springtime. And then we end typically right around, uh, right after Halloween, uh, early November. We try to, that's where we, our cutoff is. Our strategy right now is we try to host, a we call it a wedding weekend. So essentially our clients would um, have their wedding on a Saturday, but they would be able to arrive on Friday in the afternoon and stay up and through Sunday um, afternoon, which is um, going back to my point about our short-term rentals that are on site. It's a it's a huge perk because it's, it's lodging for the couple and for their wedding party. Um, not to mention we have a number of, uh, you know, lake houses in the area that we, we offer to, you know, family and friends. Got it. Could you describe for anyone who's listening on the podcast, not watching us here, uh, what what does the venue look like? You know, like if you're yeah. describing it to someone. Yeah. So we are nestled in a, you know, in a little corner of Northeastern Connecticut. Um, 
40 acres of a lot of green and a lot of trees. And, you know, we have a really nice valley type of uh, terrain. So you kind of go over this big, big hill. And as you come down, you can just see the entire landscape of the farm property, the animals walking around, the sheep on in the meadow. Um, and then in the back distance, we have the actual um, rustic venue space. And adjacent to that are fire pits. And then we have the tree house next to that. So um, it's pretty like secluded area. Um, so we lucked out when we bought the property. Um, so it's very peaceful and it's very private and, you know, people enjoy it. I, I noticed when I was on your website, that animals tab. And so I, I had to click it because I was like, this has got to be cool. And you do, like you were mentioning in the beginning, you do have a lot of animals. It is a working farm. Does that lead its way into the weddings and into the events you have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's just an additional like factor that sets us apart. You know, people love, you know, visiting the animals, um, you know, feeding them, all that kind of stuff uh, throughout the wedding. Um, it's a really like, it's just a really like uh, magical kind of environment where it's uh, a bygone era of like farming and like, you know, celebrating someone's love story, like all those things come into it. And it's really nice. And the, the animals are kind of like in the background the whole time. So, um, you know, it, it, it sets us apart in, in a special way. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, thanks so much for watching or listening. I wanted to take a moment and share about Common Sense Events. Common Sense Events is my company that professionally manages and operates venues all across the United States, and we're looking to work with a couple more venues this year. If you own a venue in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, we are looking to work with you. Our company comes in and takes care of the marketing, the sales, the operations, we hire all of the employees, we manage all the employees, and primarily our agreements are based off of revenue share models. So it's a very affordable way to have your venue professionally managed. And this is especially good if you're thinking about retiring, selling your venue, but maybe you don't wanna sell the land, or you're looking for another management option that you currently have in place. If you're interested in this, please reach out by email at venues at cseventservices.com, or you can also click the link in the description of this video or podcast. We'd love to hear from you and look forward to seeing if there's a way for us to serve you. In in terms of marketing and kind of where you're getting your clients from, uh, yeah. you getting people who are getting married there who are in the local area or most of people more destination type couples? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, it's, it's split in many ways. You know, I think our first few years, it was really local, you know, and, you know, you grow out from there. Um, we've really partnered with some good uh partnerships within the industry, such as like, you know, Weaven and Zola, uh, you know, even, even, uh, Facebook groups that are local to the area. Um, you know, the leads kind of come from all over the place with us. Um, I mean, we do have the luxury that, you know, some of the rentals, especially our tree house has gotten great media attention, not only just in the state of Connecticut, but nationally. So, you know, that kind of, all those elements kind of just get you, you know, to be visible, right? And to to have people see you and, and be interested. So, you know, we've had people from all over for our, for our venue. Um, the majority, like I said, are more local within two to three hours drive of the venue. But, um, you know, some people is the destination. Some people, uh, you know, they may have lived in the area. They're like in LA and now they're coming back. And so it, it's it's all over the spectrum. You mentioned Zola and what was the other one? Weaven? Weaven, yeah. 
So what is what is that? Are they like are they similar to Zola in terms of a platform? Yeah. So you know, Weaven I would say is like the most uh, unique um, aspect to our entire operations because it is an acting uh, like CRM. So um, you know, I I tend to call it a, a venue management software, and it's that's essentially you know the easiest way to to remember it. It's a software that we use, but they also generate leads. So you know, we have. Um, you know, profile on, on with that, that group, excuse me. And, um, you know, people can search and find us. Um, and then from there, if we do convert them, all the signing of the contracts, payments are all through that platform. So it's, it's a one-stop shop for us. Makes it, yeah, very easy to organize and generate leads. And Zola, um, it's relatively new that Zola has been doing lead generation and, um, you know, there, there's a small, there's a subscription fee or there's a pay per, for credits per lead. Um, that we found is, is, is working very well for us as well. Um, again, very similar to like any kind of like listing website, you know, you have your site, your, your venue, your details, and people look at the calendar and they reach out to you if they're interested. Um, those are two major, uh, lead generators. Um, and then we really have like our social media with like the word of mouth kind of traction that is always nice. But um, that's kind of how we, we're doing it right now. And it's it's been working very well. In in terms of what people get or what packages you have available, um, is it more of a blank canvas style venue or is it an all-inclusive or is there some hybrid there? Yeah, so it's predominantly a blank canvas. Um, we really are you know, we have the land, the structures, and you're free to, you know, work with our suggested vendors, we call them. We, we're not required. Um, or, you know, it could be even as simple as, you know, do it yourself or bring your own kind of situation where we try to make it, you know, not too strict on the clients. We want there to be a lot of liberty. Um, our slogan is, you know, your wedding, your way kind of thing. We want to make it very simple for you to, you know, to onboard you and, to make it comfortable. Um, so, but our packages are, are there's a variety of different packages. Um, you know, it's, it's essentially all based on guest count. Um, so obviously higher the guest count, we, we have a max of 150, it's a certain price all the way down to 50, 25 is our, our, our smaller groups. What was it like creating that uh, price point? Like how, how did you go across that price it's point? Quite clear. It's, it's, it's a contentious question. <laughs> It's tough. The pricing is very difficult and, you know, we've changed our pricing and, and strategy uh, a number of times. And um, I always joke with my family, like, I don't want to look at contracts again. And then two months later, I'm looking at contracts again. And, you know, the thing is, like, I find the best tip I have is just try to make it very simple. Like, if it's if it's seven grand, it's seven grand. If it's 10 grand, you know, none of this, like, it's seven grand, but then there's this, it, it, you know what? It's such a headache. And I'm sure people who are, you know, yourself who, who manages and others have had the headaches of people saying, I didn't know I, I owed this much or, you know, and that happens, right? It happens. Um, I, I tend to take those calls uh, <laughs> for, the, for the group. Um, but my point is like, you know, it. We're, the industry, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively new, like as of like 2020, but like, I, I'm finding that a lot of the clientele um, just want you to be straight up. You know what I mean? They really want to know, like, what am I getting? How much is it? I don't want to know how, like, 
what I'm getting kinda and how much it could be, you know, um, you know, one of our biggest shifts this year was sending, uh, clients contracts before they tour, um, which, you know, I know sometimes that could be scary for clients to get a big contract with all the financials in it and it, it could deter them from even wanting to show up. We're finding it actually has helped the conversation of the tours and it actually streamlines the process of them signing. Um, like I said, it's all digital for us. So it's, it's, you know, they show if they're showing up after seeing the contract and they're excited, they they're a little emotional and they <laughs> typically sign right away. So, you know, in previous years we had, you know, given contracts after and, you know, it, it, it wasn't efficient for our time or operations to do so. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, the, the, the price, pricing is always hard. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's always a tough point. What were some of the things that maybe if you would go back and kind of rearrange the order of operations and the order that you started things? I know there's some of that zoning stuff and permitting stuff you can't get around yeah. or can't can't speed up maybe. But in terms of the order of how you did things, would you have started working with a CRM system earlier? Would you have marketed on a platform earlier? Like what would what would some of those bits? Yeah, I mean, uh, so you know, like I said, like the origins for myself were in real estate and the short-term rental market, and it's so software-heavy. And for a while with our wedding business, we didn't use, you know, a software. And, you know, I would say that's number one, right? Um, of course, like you said, you know, all your illegals and liabilities just have it in place, you know, have, have that the permitting, have your, you know, the structure of your company, maybe LLC or what have you in place, all your banking, but absolutely getting some software, um, you know, having the papers and, and, and the Excel sheets upon Excel sheets it just can get very chaotic as a business. Um, we were relatively lucky though, like I said, because we worked with the Weaven group very early on. Um, they actually, the origin of their name, I think it was like Mayflower. So it really helped that we had something like that. And we didn't even really know what a CRM was per se, um, but it's worked out. And I would say that's number one, like just, just, you know, and I know sometimes softwares can be scary for people and you know, they rely on the emails and, you know, maybe the Google calendar and Excel sheets and, and, or I'm a paper and pen person, you know, uh, you know, it's really, you're coming to an age where like, you, you know, it's, it's very helpful to learn the softwares and the, how to do automation and integration and all that kind of stuff, which, um, you know, these CRMs can do for you, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So after, so we've talked about a bit of marketing and like how you get people to the property. I thought that was very interesting how you send contracts before. Yeah. You get probably a much more realistic buyer. Like they're not just coming and, you know, gonna be tire kickers and just kind of tour and then ghost you. They're probably pretty interested. Like if they're even after they see the price and they're still showing up. So that was very cool. Um, in terms of when you have weddings, like wedding day, what does the property look like? Who's there setting yeah. up to bring down? Like what's the whole process like there? Yeah. So, you know, we, we really have systemized our whole entire approach. So like we have like day before, day, uh, day of, day after, and even day, day after, uh, you know, checklist for all of our team. Um, you know, we have certain like uh, individuals who come uh, on Fridays and Saturdays to help for setup uh, for our clients. We also, with our packages, we offer parking. So those same individuals are parking attendants. 
the following day on Sunday is a shutdown and we have uh, other individuals come for cleaning. Um, you know, midweek, usually we have our lawn care come and make sure that everything is really tight there as well. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's really on a weekly schedule and, and that's goes back to the reason why we really try to stick to one per, per week, just because at this time, you know, you know, we're a small family company and we want to keep it that way right now. Um, although we've had some people that have been approaching us to try to change that, <laughs> but we're, we're trying to, you know, really, really refine our operations. And, you know, I was just on a call with one of my attorneys and, you know, he was just checking in and he, he had a good question that I think a lot of people have to kind of have. And he's like, are, are you pacing yourself? You know what I mean? Or are you, are you overwhelmed? Because like, you know, sometimes when your business starts growing, it can get to be a lot. And sometimes the small nuts and bolts and refinements that you need in your systems could get loose again or could be forgotten. And and then, you know, it can get to be overwhelming. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's big. That's big for us. Do you think that with those, the way that you're pacing it, it's allowing you to kind of like iterate a little bit more thoroughly and yeah. try some things out in terms of like, you know, what works for setup, what works for cleanup, invoicing, all those things. Yeah. I mean, it just, it makes the process better and better. Like, you know, it can, you know, before like this year, like we were just kind of like the last week was very chaotic and there was like, what's happening again. And now there's a, there's a flow where there's these certain checkpoints with our clients so that we're aware of even like, when is their 10 arriving, you know? And so that come the week before there was all hands on deck meeting with our family to talk about, okay, this is when the tent is being set up. This is when the caterer is showing up. Like all these things are already known, which just alleviates a lot of anxiety and stress when it comes to the clients showing up. Because, you know, as great as the clients are, you know, sometimes they need a little bit of support when, you know, things start rocking and rolling. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, they're overwhelmed. They probably have some, maybe some personal things with their family they're dealing with. And like, you know, if you can step in, you know that, you know, Charlie's barbecue is showing up <laughs> at two o'clock and you're there to greet them, it helps them. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're really on top of just trying to know like every aspect and time point so that we can just like have someone there to step in. Speaking of the time and kind of the, the flow of things and how they've gone, do you have any advice for how to pick vendors or how you've maybe maintained yeah. uh, a, a good, that suggested vendor list? So here, here's the number one tip with suggested vendors, right? Or vendors you like. After they've come, email them, ask for our, a review on your Google page because they'll give you a five star <laughs> and you can trade and give one to them as well. So what we do is we speak with all the vendors beforehand and then we have a more intimate conversation with them during the actual wedding and we exchange all the information, contact information. We also go back on Mondays and have a debrief with a family and we do discuss like, did we like this vendor or was there issues with this vendor? So we have a rolling list of vendors that we like prefer, um, what we call them suggested in, uh, in our little world. And so, you know, what we do is, um, you know, we're doing that for the reasons of potentially doing a concierge service with our, with our company. So that if we do have a client who really, you know, doesn't want to blank, blank canvas, but wants someone to kind of like set it up for them, we'll have all the individuals that will work for them that we can trust. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've mentioned family a couple of times and I feel like that's very common, right? In, yeah. in 
the wedding venue industry, uh, family property, family farm, ranch, things like that. Has it ever been difficult to work with family? And if so, how have you maybe overcome some of those uh, communication issues that might arise? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that there's sometimes restriction. I mean, there's no escaping that, right? I think what we've learned is that this business has immensely brought us together as a family, closer than we ever thought, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's sometimes where maybe we're talking about the business a little too much, but like, you know, we we have something that is ours as a family business, right? There, everyone has a place in the business, right? It's also been significantly important for us to under, to learn patience and like who, who better to like learn patience with your own family. So like, you know, when we have Thanksgiving, it's nice. When it's Christmas, it's nice. You know, we actually just took a trip to Maine as a family and, you know, it was a great trip. And, you know, yeah, there were some discussions here and there, some jokes and gossiping a little bit of some of the wedding stuff, which is all fun and part of it. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, and like I said, like we're very structured, like, Mondays every night, every Monday, seven o'clock, we're all on on a call with everyone and we're all talking about, you know, plans for the weekend for the company and making sure everyone's ready. So yeah, um, you know, we handle it well, but there are moments, there are, and you know, but we work through them. Totally. It sounds like maybe some of that structure helps provide accountability and a a forum for everyone to voice maybe something they're concerned about or whatever and so you can handle it at that call and it doesn't have to bleed out into the rest of the week right and you know it's really important for us to just be transparent and and voice what we're thinking because like it does it's important right and what happens is it it it, um protects us from you know our clients having to deal maybe with our own you know family things because like we already worked them out you know what i mean yeah i find sometimes clients um can really exploit the cracks you know that they find like if someone promised something and then someone else promised something else it's really easy to say well we heard about this from over here and like there's some triangulation that could happen now all of a sudden you know it's like you know two people inside the company or inside the family are now kind of sort of arguing against each other because of the catalyst yeah, well, I mean, we, we've encountered that sometimes like, oh, Joe, you said this, but oh, your mom said this or your sister said, you know, we have definitely had that, you know, and sometimes it's it can be frustrating. Um, but, you know, we have put in, you know, we've experienced that. And so, you know, what we do is we have a policy where like if someone does say that, we just tell the client, hey, let me speak with them before we move forward. And then we just discuss it. Like I was on a call today and because we had a client, we were emailing, emailing them about um, their in, you know, past due invoice. And, you know, my sister asked, you know, hey, uh, what did you exactly did you say to them like two weeks ago on the phone? Because I don't want to say something different. And like, that's a great example of like, you know, in previous, you know, she may have answered something and, 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 and with all good intentions, but didn't really fully know what I had said. And that's, I feel like that's common in the, in the wedding business, regardless if it's with your family or whoever, there's always this, this is what I said, or this is what they said. Um, my, my biggest one is we, we didn't read the contract. That's, that's the big one I hear a lot. And I go, well, let's read it. <laughs> maybe we should do that. Yeah. Maybe we can go through it with you. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the Airbnb VRBO side of things and um, 
how do the weddings, I know you said that sometimes they can stay, people can stay, you know, but yep. let's hack that a little bit more. How did you get into that? Um, well, I guess it came, sounds like the weddings came after, but like, how do you incorporate, connect those two? Yeah. So, you know, they're, as far as the on-site properties go, they are looped into our like weekend package. So we have like a platinum package and then basically it, it gives you exclusivity of property from, you know, noon on Friday till noon on Sunday. And that includes the, you know, the ability, opportunity to sleep over on the Friday and Saturday night. And so, you know, typically, um, you know, that's a huge uh, factor for our clients because um, from an operational standpoint, it benefits them, right? Because they're able to sleep there, wake up, set up, everything's there. There's no, oh, I forgot something an hour away or across the country away that I need, you know what I mean? So we really, um, you know, uh, when we when we tour and, and when we speak with our clientele, um, they're excited about that. And um, we do discount significantly the pricing for our rentals for the clients um, compared to what they would be on, on the short-term market. Um, so that's how that works. And then, you know, we do have offsite uh, properties. Um, we, we call them lakeside or lakefront properties because they're all in lake. Uh, they're all within five minute walking distance of uh, a lake. So those are another uh, feature that, you know, helps with, uh, you know, planning for the, for the families and, and the friends because, you know, they can, they can make a weekend of it. They can make a week of it, you know, and we've had even some of our clients who, you know, they said, I want to rent one of your houses after for my honeymoon. Okay, great. You know what I mean? Um, we find that like the more pieces you can kind of give to people and the less they have to like, you know, think about and or decide about <laughs> for that matter, they're all about it. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a, it's a huge factor for, for, you know, getting uh, clients uh, to work with us. Yeah. Cause you're solving as many problems for them as possible. Hey there, pardon the interruption, I wanted to share with you about Weva. Weva stands for Wedding and Event Venue Association, and it's a brand new association just for venue owners and operators that we launched last year. It's been growing quickly since then, and we would love to offer an invitation to you to be a part of it. Weva is an association that is purpose-built for venue owners and operators to provide community, education, networking opportunities just for our industry. We have a number of different resources, including networking, co-working events, uh, local meetups, and all sorts of different things. We will be having a large yearly event as well. We would love to have you part of the community, so please consider joining. We do have a link in the description below, or we will be linking it wherever you're listening to this. So please click on the link, check it out, and we would love to see you inside of Weva. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of alcohol or security or insurance or some of these things that that oftentimes could be headaches, you know, for, yeah. for how are you handling those? Let's kind of maybe take them one issue at a time. What about uh, alcohol? Yeah. So my biggest tip, everyone, is to take the TIPS certification course. And um, I, you know, in previous years have been a bartender, have, have a license to do what, all that stuff. And um, what I found was most beneficial when I took those courses, and I still take them when uh, my certification is, is um, expiring, is that it goes to the, the legals, right? The, the end liability of alcohol consumption and distribution it's a tough discussion. It always, it seems to come up with every client. Um, for us, we re require that if the clients are providing alcohol to their guests, they cannot serve it. 
and they have to have a tip certified bartender. Um, and some people may do other things where they just, you know, outsource to a company, you know, and they come and they, you know, buy from them and they distribute the, the company. Um, we're very, very firm on this. And it's a, it's a firmest rule we have. Um, I will admit there has been some tense conversations with certain clientele where they think that they should not have to have a bartender. Um, if it's, if they choose for a more like BYOB style kind of event, um, but we require it and we enforce it. Um, it's just one of those things where I, I laugh sometimes and I've had this discussion so many times with my family because the way that we structure it where you have to have a tip certified bartender and you need a day of event policy with uh, liquor attached to it, it's all for the benefit of the actual clients so that if their friend, their uncle does something and gets hurt, they're not liable. Um, but sometimes they can kind of kick and scream <laughs> and, and disagree with me and say, you know, you have insurance and, you know, we're, you know, we're doing BYOB, like we don't need a bartender. And, you know, I just stress them like, guys, like I'm trying to protect you more than actually me in this case. And, and, and sometimes I, you know, depending on how intense it gets to those conversations, I, you know, I'm like, I just say like, you have to do it. <laughs> there's not a, there's no break here on this one. And most people don't realize it, but in the contract, many venue contracts are basically writing themselves a blank check on behalf of the client in case anything goes wrong. There's stuff broken, damaged. And I don't think, I think clients kind of maybe think about that and, and, and say, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll fix that. But like, do you have $50,000 laying around? Like if something serious were to happen, maybe not. But the one, the one gray area that it's, it's, it's something, you know, that I actually had about a month ago or so I discussed this with some another venue owner. It's regardless if everything is all set and the clients get their, you know, liability insurance, they have their tip certified person. If something does happen, it still reflects poorly on you as a venue, which means you have to be watchful, right? So for, for our group, you know, we do have, uh, you know, hourly kind of walkthroughs once we get towards, uh, you know, the nighttime, um, just to make sure and watch, be watchful, also watchful of the bartenders too, because, you know, sure. you have to make sure that they're being responsible, you know, as well the, the buzzkill kind of aspects of the job, but it's crucial, you know, for, for, for everyone. Um, but yeah, it, it's a hard thing. And, it, and I think sometimes there's a, there's an assumption that, you know, the venue, since it's the site, it's, it's, it's all your problem kind of, if something happens. And like you just mentioned, you know, within the contract, it's most people's contracts that they should. It basically um, puts onus and responsibility on the client. Yeah. How do you handle the alcohol service at the wedding versus, and and sounds like separately, than you do anything overnight? Because if people are staying overnight on the property, they're renting it from, you know, stay there Friday night, Saturday night. Someone's popping open a beer or something like that. That's, you know, there's no bartender there for that. On wedding day, how do you differentiate? How do you explain to the clients kind of what what the needs are? Right. So we really, really hold strongly to the laws of distribution, right? So what that means essentially, there's a lot. This, this, I don't want to get too too nitty gritty on this, but like we can do it because it should be it's helpful for people to know. Like with a lot of laws, and as far as I understand, I'm not a lawyer. No disclosure. <laughs> talk to lawyers. Don't talk to me. I'm just some guy. Um, but a lot of times it works is who buys it. That's number one, right? Whoever buys it's responsible. Whoever 
credit card, cash, receipt is attached is the person responsible. Now next it's based off distribution. Okay. So if I buy some drinks that I pass them to you to pass off as a bartender and you start passing them off, you are now the responsible party because the distribution is secondary to the purchase. Right. So, um, you know, if you want to get very strict, yeah. I mean, if you went to someone's house for dinner, uh, you should probably bring the, the person who's hosting the dinner should ask you to bring your own alcohol and they shouldn't touch it if they, if you want to get that strict. Now, do people do that? No, they usually like offer to their friends and, but in all, as far as law goes, as far as my understanding, they're yeah. a purchaser and distributor. So they are liable. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think here in California, um, I think probably California and New York, like there are different states, probably Connecticut's one of those that have more intense laws around some of those things. Yeah. And here it's very similar. It's it, for us, it follows the purchase. So like who bought the alcohol and that's where the licenses have to be had, or like there's some insurance coverages that need to happen, but distribution's huge. And I, and I don't think people like fully think through that. Uh, and it is funny. Like once you, once you dive into it, go ahead. It's like, we had a, it wasn't a wedding. It was more of a farm to table event. Uh, but just for the, the point of this conversation, you know, um, that individual was selling tickets to her event, right? And part of the ticket purchase was a meal and an open bar. So it was really tough because I, I we couldn't permit it because the problem is I was like, you are actually you're actually selling the alcohol through your ticket, and it's like, well, I'm not actually touching it. It's like it doesn't matter because you're basically you're taking funds from a client from a guest of yours, putting it in your hands and buying it, and they're and you know what I mean? Um, it's hard, you know, like at the end of the day with that stuff. Um, and as for all those things, like I remember when I was taking TIP certification a couple of years ago, um, you know, the, the professor or teacher, what have you, essentially said 99% of the time, nothing's going to happen. But it's just that 1% of the time that could really ruin someone's life, ruin your business. And so you have to be, you know, sorry about it. Yeah. This is not something that, that I've talked about before on the show, but just something I know is true in our local area. If you are doing a tour, you're doing a wedding tour, let's say, and you want to have some sort of hospitality package or something like that. I know a lot of times hair salons, maybe even barbershops will do this where they'll have a, a you know, case of beer or whatever, yeah. a cool full of beer uh, or, or, you know, uh, some champagne or whatever. You go there, you get, you know, you're getting your hair done and then they're offering you alcohol. Well, even though you technically are not paying for the alcohol, you're paying for the haircut and it's seen as a, there's some technical phrase for it, but essentially a lubricant for the sale. So like mm -hmm. you're, in, you're enhancing the sale by the alcohol and technically you're supposed to have a license for that. Now, again, 99.99% .99 of the time there would be no issue. Nothing would, you know, you wouldn't get caught or anything like that. But again, if you're offering the alcohol and then there's a sale point attached to it, even though it's not directly buying the alcohol, but you're purchasing something associated with the alcohol, that is like a gray area that, that, there. I always joke. I always joke with our clients. They're like, "So, like, what's the best way to handle them?" I'm like, "No booze, you don't lose." So, <laughs> that's the best. Number one, <laughs> number two, you know. And we go down through all the the legal aspects of it. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it, it's a tough one for people with that. You know, there's there's a uh, common feeling that you know, like we can just give a friend some drinks. It's not a big deal, and it's it's um, it's hard. But yeah. uh, 
you know, it's, it's one of those things where we try to discuss it early and and reinforce it and and get those uh, liability and tips uh, certified bartenders in place early on, so that as we get towards you know the the wedding date, um, you know, where things can get very tense and there's a lot of anxiety emotions. They, there's not a backlash of oh, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah, what you mentioned insurance um, that you have the couple get that includes a alcohol or liquor, liquor policy. Could you uh, break that down a little bit more? Do you use a certain vendor for that? Is something like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, we just work with um, uh, one group and, you know, we just basically, it's like a hyperlink that we have with this, a partnership with this company and our clients typically do it. They're not required to use our company. There's a number of companies out there. You can do any Google search and put day of wedding event, uh, liability insurance you'll find a whole bunch you know what i mean so you know we just yeah we just require that it's pretty easy is there um if you don't feel comfortable sharing totally open but i mean this is definitely a resource for people as well is it event helper by any chance um i mean you know what? i'm just gonna poke, poke, pop it up let's see yeah yeah because i know there's event helper there's uh some different ones i know even yeah we we have um adventured adventured very cool yeah yeah yeah, that's, what using, that's what we're using right now. Yeah. Event sure. Event sure. Like insured hurts. Very cool. Cool. Something to check out. I've never heard of them. So yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these groups like event sure, um, they'll basically create like, you know, a landing page, right? A website uh, with your logo and, you know, your clients are just directed there and they kind of go through the process of how many guests you have. Are you going to have liquor? All that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we get a small like affiliate, you know, fee uh, if our clients use them. Um, not much, <laughs> but you know, um, but yeah, that's what we use. Cool. That's awesome. Um, last question I have before uh, we, there's there's two final questions I ask everyone. What's your least favorite and most favorite part? But the last regular question that I have is in terms of how you see yourself growing over the next, you know, couple of years, um, have you seen bookings slowing down? Do you think things are speeding up? Uh, yeah. Have you been able to impact it all by the economy? Kind of cover some of those those topics for me. Yeah. So that's that's a, that's a lot of questions in one question. But yeah. <laughs> but we um, so for us, like, it, like our biggest goal for the end of this year, twenty twenty three, is obviously getting through one of our more you know uh, fuller seasons. You know, it's it's been exciting, um, but you know, really refining our process. I cannot stress that enough, you know what I mean? And just making sure that we can have confidence and in, in training uh, new individuals to support us um, and all that kind of good stuff. And so as far as like the industry itself, um, I think there's no secret that there's been a bit of a slowdown with uh, conversion. Uh, I think that there's um, a lot of people that are definitely being affected by the economy. Um, you know, let's be honest that you know a wedding is a luxury it's not a necessity it's it's a big party and it's fun and it's great and it's important and it's magical but it's uh it's, it's excuse me it's very expensive um you know we'll see how it pans out i i can foresee potentially smaller weddings happening um or that micro kind of wedding um kind of you know theory um which you know might change the way in which we do our operations right we may just have small weddings on a Saturday and on a Sunday rather than the full weekend. Um, you know, we'll see how it pans out. 
you know, I think that a lot of, you know, groups will have to really become a bit more savvy with their marketing strategy. And that really comes down to, you know, scripts, you know, phone calls, you know, how do we work with the client and convert them? Um, it's all sales, you know, that's, that's, it's hard, you know what I mean? And I think that with all the automation integration that I talked about, you can sometimes hide behind the screen and just send out messages. I think that, you know, a little, it's going to be a little more old school. You have to call them up. You're going to have to know more about the clients. Um, we've done some things to really try to get ahead of the clients as far as like when they book a tour, like we do ask for their social media on Instagram. We, we go on, we go, we, we connect with them. We kind of see what they're into. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I always stress with my family that like, this is such an emotional business, right? So you have to have an emotional connection with these people. Um, but, uh, like it, it's definitely, you know, I was at a small, um, meetup in Boston a few months ago and that was a hot topic was people discussing a bit of a slowdown and signing contracts. And, um, it, I think it's just, there's going to be more work to be done and more marketing and, and, you know, it's a challenge, but it's something that people should see as an opportunity to learn more so that their business can, you know, be there for the long haul, um, which means it's not going to be easy. But if you can do it, if you can endure, then you should do pretty well. That's really well said. That's really yeah. well It's awesome. What's your favorite part about running a venue? The favorite part of running the venue is... The day after the wedding's over, <laughs> uh, because it's it's a lot of buildup and it's a lot of time and stress for us too as the owners, you know, um, because we really want to serve the clients, you know, we really want to make sure their day is is uh, uh, impactful and beautiful, and you know, it's it's uh, we have an emotional connection. Like sometimes you shouldn't in business, but we do, you know. It's it's my parents live there, you know, they're right next there, and so. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, um, that I keep saying family, family, and that's actually our model. Our model is family comes first. It's on our website. That's, that's our, you know, our business model, uh, model, excuse me. And so, you know, it, it's really, you know, that's the, the fun part is the event. Like you can't share it. There's so much build up to it and there's so much, you know, stress and anxiety from both sides. But then when it happens and you see the photos and the videos and like you get the hugs and, and that, you know, uh, thank you cards thereafter it's worth it for sure. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And I feel like somewhere in there probably is your least favorite part as well. So what is, what is your least favorite part of any ownership? I think the least favorite part is it, it's really comes down to just miscommunication, honestly. Right. And, and I'll be a bit technical on this one because it's, I think sometimes it's, it's hard. People have to understand there's so much going on in everyone's lives. Right. And something that you put on paper or like a contract per se, like, and the client doesn't read it per se or, or glazes over it, all that kind of stuff. It's like, I spent like two years on this contract <laughs> to make it simple. And how is it not simple still? You know what I mean? And I think um, as time goes on, you, you kind of, you know, you top up a bit with that stuff and you just know it's not personal. It's just, they have so much stuff going on. And, you know, I had a client recently call and, you know, they, it was like a therapy session. They were <laughs> telling me all their problems and all the things. And, and at the end of it, I was like, yeah, uh, contract's still the same and the price is still the same. <laughs> so I'm sorry about all this stuff, but yeah, you know, and, um, 
I think that's something that we can, it, it's a, it comes up again and again in our, in our weekly meetings as a family. And, you know, we just try to get ahead of it, right? We just, you know, even like, like we talked about pricing at one point, but even like communication, like rather than maybe like signing and waiting six months before a wedding, like signing and speaking once a month or, you know, and depending on some people every week, you know, just so that there's a, a sense of hand holding and not just a, you know, you sign our contract, see you later, we'll see you the day of the wedding. Um, I think that sometimes that that is um, is not the best strategy. And sometimes it's the only strategy based off of, you know, how the business is. Because a lot of people with these businesses, you know, in the wedding industry, it's not their full-time job. And yeah. so, you know, I've met many venue owners where this is a part-time thing and, you know, it's their, I go to my nine to five and then from seven till 10, I'm doing this, you know? So, uh, miscommunication is always difficult, but, you know, we work hard to, to get, make it easier and, you know, uh, sometimes have to swallow, swallow our pride. <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. That resonates a lot. So yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your experience with any ownership and like how you run uh, bluebird farm with your family. And I'm excited for people to not only check out this podcast and check out your story, but also um, learn more about the venue, you know, and if they want to do that, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to get to us is like social media or website, you know, bluebirdfarmct.com. That's the website. Um, The email is weddings at bluebirdfarmct.com. I'm sure you'll link all this stuff in the the description of the video podcast here for folks. you know, and we're open to talking with people too and helping along the way. Like we, you know, we're, we're very much collaborative and we want to make, you know, if there's a question that's really burning you and you know, you need to help, you know, we're here to say, jump on that phone call. Uh, we try to pay it forward. You know what I mean? That's huge. That's awesome. Joe, thank you so much again for your time. Uh, this makes, makes a big difference in the community and yeah, this is, this is really cool. I'm excited for you guys. See you finish out this season and, and head into your next. Thanks so much, it was a blast. Hey friends, Jonathan here, and I wanted to share about Common Sense Events Consulting Packages. If you are a venue owner and you're struggling with your marketing, your sales, your operations, or maybe there's just, you know, you're new to the industry and you wanna really have a leg up and get a jump start on getting your business going and not make a lot of the mistakes that oftentimes people make, the mistakes that we made, frankly, when we first started, we would love to chat with you and see if there's a way that we can serve you. Our team has experience working with over 10 venues all across the United States, doing consulting. We've hosted hundreds and hundreds of weddings at this point, and we know what it takes to be successful. If this sounds interesting to you, we would love to chat with you. You can either reach out by filling out the link in the description of the video or podcast, or you can just email us at venues at CSEventServices.com, and we would love to chat with you and see if there's a way that we can serve you. All right, back to the show.